This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds. It's your weekly spot for the weird, wacky, and wild in all of the sports world. I, of course, am John Alba. That is not Mia O'Brien. Mia, once again, on the road this week. Last week, we had Jordan Cooper filling in. He did a great job. This week, it's Pat Pitts. And if you've never seen Pat Pitts here on Out of Bounds, it's because he's never been on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. So I would like to introduce you to him. Pat, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I just wrapped up one show I did on. Now I can talk more sports and, you know, it's Excellent. Monday night. So you know what I'm going to be doing at, at eight o'clock. Excellent. Love to hear that for you, man. For those of you who may not be familiar with Pat, he's got uh, his toes dipped in quite a few different pools. Why don't you let everyone know what you are up to and where people can find you? Yeah, easiest place to find me is on Twitter or X or wherever we're calling it now. <laughs> Uh, at Pat underscore Pitts, uh, where I do uh, Patriots content, and along with a little bit of NFL with my Lions as well, and big into the wrestling world. Uh, I do a show two to three times a week on uh, YouTube, on Sarah March's YouTube channel. Uh, figuring out a name and getting that all squared away. But, uh, you know, I do that Tuesday nights, Thursdays, and Saturdays uh, on there. And then the Patriots stuff, where we go live on Stadium Rent YouTube uh, every Thursday at 8 o'clock. So great. So if you get annoyed with Pat's accent, just know it's because he's from New England and you can leave us comments. But the only way you can get your comments read on air, of course, is if you go over to KYNchat.com or you just leave a super chat on YouTube. You leave it for us. We'll read that comment on air. It doesn't matter if you're crapping all over Pat's accent. You're crapping on my hair. You're talking about the subject at hand, whatever it may be. We would love to have your support. Last week, we had a few that we read on air. We'd love to read more on air this week for you pat what's what's your sport like what's your your main sport that you're into is it football it yeah i would say it is football but honestly i love the celtics uh you know i love the nba more the celtics than the nba uh i watched them all growing up and even getting in back into it this year and watching that run and we almost had a little bit of oh four redone again i know how much you you love that year uh so uh but no i i would say patriots and celtics are my two teams easily oh you just dropped a few points in my book pat it's okay that's okay i'm still happy to have you here so happy that we're going to do an opening toast as i do every single week why don't you show everyone what you are drinking on this episode of out of bounds yeah so uh you know we we are trying to stay young and relive our college days as much as possible so uh we got some Bud light lime yes how classy i'm a classy guy john I'm a I see Bud Light Lime in a can. I feel like I've only really seen Bud Light Lime in the bottle, so we're seeing it in the and can. It's a okay. nice can. It's I like the can. It's a little I mean, slimmer. It's, it's an inviting can. I'll give you that, but I'm just not sure if that's something that I can force down my throat. Something <laughs> I can is, of course, some old smoky Tennessee. We got the salted caramel. And let me give you, as I do every single week, a little ASMR. There it is. Pat Pitts, a cheers to you for hopping on your first episode of Out of Bounds. I appreciate you, and I'm excited to do this with you. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers to you, Mr. Mm-hmm. by. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Let it hit. Every week <laughs> when I drink that, I'm like, I can take a big swig of it. It's like caramel. Yeah. You can and do then it. I remember that it's whiskey. And, uh, it, it ends up taking a couple. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling good? All right. All right, listen. 
somebody who doesn't need to be woken up today, Mbappe. This guy's one of the best soccer players in all the world. We know that, right? Well, Paris Saint-Germain has granted Mbappe permission to discuss personal terms with Al-Hilal after the Saudi Arabian outfit offered a world record fee of around $332 million. So that's just a posting fee, okay? French champions have told the 24-year-old that he can enter into discussions with the Saudi Pro League Club who intend to propose a massive pay deal, ready for this, worth $776 million. So you combine that plus $332 million in a posting fee, and we are talking about a potential $1 billion man. Now, we have seen Pat across many sports, wild free agency reports in recent years. Is this the craziest? I think it has to be the craziest just because of the circumstances that it's under. It's not just your regular country like, you know, England or Spain trying to do a transfer for a player. It's Saudi Arabia reaching out and trying to make this man into the first billion dollar athlete through a contract of sorts. That's what shocks me the most out of this is that we're going to get our, you know, potentially a first billion dollar athlete and it's, you know, Mbappe and soccer. I just I wouldn't have expected this to turn out the way it did well you're talking about also a club that has absorbed cristiano ronaldo who himself had a massive 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 deal to come with that as well um i think pat we are seeing this is where sports are going now this is going to be the path for a lot of players to earn a lot of money we've seen it already with live golf we know the Saudis are major players. You talked about WWE before. They're major players in WWE. They're going to continue to be major players as the years go on, even more so than they are right now. This has to be one of the craziest because I think if you see that an organization like this is willing to pay almost $350 million just for a posting fee, it totally eradicates competition. How can any major league entity compete with something like that aside from this oil money uh, that is coming in from the Saudis here, Pat, I think this drastically changes the outlook of how free agency across multiple sports will work for years to come. It's yeah. It's no other league right now can even touch that. And I mean, that's just the number is so astronomical. You can basically have the ability to hand over essentially a blank check to any athlete with this type of funds that you're going to throw at them to bring them into. But your where league. does this go, Pat? Like, where are we three to five years from now as far as this absurd money? Because at some point, there's got to be a cap. At some point, you're going to start. Right, right. Like, am I wrong yeah, on that? No, no. You're, you're right. It's just the crazy thing to me is that in the next three to five years, you could see at least a billion dollar athlete in I mean, every this is a sport. Dollar athlete. That's what I mean. Is that in every sport? I mean, across because they're going to try to keep up, and you're going to see contracts being written differently. How they make their money through the contracts will be done differently and more creatively. It's just to me, it's just mind boggling that we're starting this now with, with Mbappe and how I just don't know how any other professional league can't keep up with this, especially the ones like, you know, 
I'll keep in soccer, Premier League to start, mm-hmm. and you know the um, what's the league that Real Madrid plays? Uh, well, well, well I'll, I'll pull on top of that real quick there because you you mentioned Premier League. Premier League is an institution, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So if Premier League is institution and they're being consistently outbid by clubs like this, how damaging does that then become to the institution? And said institution still has plenty of money. Let's not sit here and pretend Yale doesn't pay. But is that, is it, I guess what I want to, is this a a sustainable playbook here? No, you can't keep doing this for everybody, but they're going to try and do it to everybody. So in, I just don't see it being a successful way to keep your league afloat. And, it's going to be kind of a, they're going to do it. So then another league's going to do it. And it's going to get to a point where the league's like, no, we can't do it anymore. I just, it's, I don't know where it goes. I can tell you where I think it goes. I think we are in that three to five year window. I think we are going to see the Saudis buy into North American sports as a majority owner for a major franchise. I would imagine it starts in the NFL. That's my guess, that it starts in the NFL of the big four. And I can very easily see, in turn, that then becomes a snowball effect where we see more Saudi influence. I think, in their mind, the way that it would best work, because there's no cap in Major League Baseball. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was going to go with the expense. They're trying to expand into 32 teams, I think it is, in the MLB, and, it, uh, you know, get somewhere Pat Pitts, the MLB, you're losing points here. The Major League Baseball? Sorry. It's I, I, Major I, League Baseball. Come on, Pat Pitts. I'm, you know, I, I, I am not about – I hate the wave. I hate Baby Shark, and I hate Baby the Shark. MLB. How do you hate Baby Shark? It's so Are you catchy. kidding me? It's so catchy. I have a ton of nieces and nephews. I think I'm just immune to it at this point. Oh, yeah, okay. That explains it. <laughs> Because I hear it, and my skin starts to crawl. That same feeling that I got Jeez. from my Tennessee whiskey, I Ooh. feel that when Baby Shark permeates my earlobes. Oh, I, I get up on my feet and do the dance. Get up on right your feet. Them. Or my fins, sorry. Your fins. I, <laughs> I get up goodness. and start doing the dance. I don't need you to start doing it. No, I don't. Want, really I'm just not. letting you know. I'm giving you oh, a God. visual. I'm giving you a okay. visual. Do you see Mbappe ultimately signing this deal do you see this becoming the first of a line of major quasi billion dollar contracts yeah he i see this happening especially since he's not really happy with psg right now the reports that i read and when you have that much money john throw like thrown at you i feel like it's it'd be a kind of a dumb move to say (laughs) no i mean you already have ronaldo there you have a little bit of legitimacy there. You have all the money. I just don't see how they would, how you can turn this offer down, even if it is the people that are giving you the money. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Again, go to kynchat.com or just right there in the YouTube chat. Send us a super chat. We'd love to have your thoughts there on air. We were talking a little bit about baseball here, Pat. Let's get into this guy, Shohei Otani. What can this man not do? I bet you this man does. This man could probably do Baby Shark to a level in which I'd be accepting of it. I bet you he could. We are about a week out from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Actually, we are less than a week now, officially. 
And the name on the market pad that everyone wants to know about is Shohei Otani. Two-way player, Ruthian, if you will. He's on an expiring contract this year. In this offseason, he may command as much as six, $700 million. So if you're a team out there, Pat, are you risking the farm to give it all up for Shohei? Or are you just going to wait this one out? This man should be the first billion-dollar athlete in all professional sports with just the limitless opportunity to keep what he can't do, what you alluded to. If you were the Angels, you you can't do it. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not trading him. I mean, you're only not trading him if you have a plan. You have to win around it. But if he's on an expiring contract, he's going to be a free agent. He doesn't seem like he's going to sign again. Why wouldn't you try to get as much milk the cow for as much as you can to another organization for their whole farm system? Like I I think the Angels, provided they get the right offer, Pat, would do it. But I'm saying if you're a team, you're another team out there. Let's let's throw out a hypothetical situation. Okay, I am the team. Let's let's throw out a hypothetical situation. You are the Tampa Bay Race. You made the World Series a few years ago. Year in and year out, you're contending in the AL East. You're young. You have a deep farm system. But you know there ain't no chance in hell that Shohei Otani is signing a long-term contract with you after this season. Are you giving it up for those 12,000 fans that are coming every single night? That That's probably a little generous. Generous there. 12,000 fans, seven to 12,000 fans at the trop, which can't keep the power on. They're going to have to opt to give Shohei money instead of keeping the power on at Tropicana Field. Are you willing to do something like that for a championship or are you holding off and staying put? I would do it. If I'm the Rays, you need to win a World Series. And here's the thing. If you go out and trade the farm system, which the Rays have a very good, if not one of the top farm systems in the league, you go out and trade your five best players for Shohei. Then you bring him in. What if you do win that World Series? What if he becomes a star that elevates your organization into having 12,000 turn into 24, then 36, and you know all that? And the jersey sales, too. You could... He's not just a ball player. He is someone who is marketable and can bring fans hopefully back into your franchise. And then if he does say, hey, I want to stay around. I I like what we built here. I see a vision. Let's do it. Then you sign the con. Give him a blank contract. Give him a blank check. And then you have baseball rejuvenated back in Tampa. And all those talks about Tampa. Okay, I'm being very optimistic. <laughs> I know, but, okay, but I'm I'm, being... <laughs> he's not signing in Tampa. First of all, Tampa ain't going to dish out that money. Number two, I I personally I don't see Shohei game. signing a deal with an East Coast team, given that that's been a pretty really? consistent thing for him, where even when he came to Major League Baseball, he pretty much said he only wanted to play for a West Coast team. So I don't see it. But with that said, if you're a contending team, you are looking at a once-in-a-generation player, and he is a once-in-a-generation player. Maybe even more than that. Uh, He's going to go down as one of the most talented players of all time, regardless of where he ends up statistically. Talent-wise, he is there. I think if you are a contending team, you have to make an offer if you are genuinely serious about trying to win a World Series, regardless of which team you are. 
And how great for baseball would that be if a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, a team like the Baltimore Orioles, teams that are not traditionally big players in free agency, what if they took their stockpiled prospects and said, we are going for it? Think of the goodwill that that will earn you perpetually with your fans of just giving the notion of going for it. Imagine what that would have done for the Oakland Athletics if for just one year they had decided we're going to go for it. I think there's so much longevity to it, Pat. There's a lot of longevity in it with the effort of trying. And even if you do sign for a year and he just pulls a Kawhi Leonard on you, well, you got your trophy, you got your championship, then you can bring right. in other free agents that say, hey, you know, look what happened when we brought in this star player. We're yeah, bringing you definitely. in another player. We could do it again. I'm on that side of the table uh, in, the, in the conversation, I mean. But when it comes to being the Angels, to trade him and, you know, for however many prospects or farm systems, you – could you – how could you be that guy to trade a player like that and not at least try to build around him to give your organization that much? I mean, they they allegedly tried to build around him. You know, they went out, they got Anthony Rendon a couple of years ago. Yeah, they hasn't worked out. They've got Mike Trout, who they locked up while Otani was on this team. He's been great, but he also has been hurt. They're just not a well-rounded baseball team. They've changed managers. And they're not a bad baseball team right now, but they're also not a good one. And I think that they're on that fringe bubble where they're not winning a World Series this year unless they get super, super hot out of nowhere, which can happen in baseball. But I don't foresee that happening. I think if you're the Angels, you got to go do it because I don't foresee him staying there. Truthfully, my gut says... He is a Dodger or bust next year. I, I think that's pretty much where this is all headed. That was my, yeah, that was what I was going to ask you. Who, where do you think he, yeah, he ends I mean, up? I mean, I think, I think he's a Dodger or bust, maybe the Mariners or something like that, or the Giants, but I, I don't see him staying with the Angels given the state of the franchise and ownership. I think that you, if you're the Angels, you make this trade. You're going to get farm. You're going to get major league ready talent right now. And there's only a few teams out there that can actually make this trade. And the teams that are the ones that can actually make this trade are the teams, Pat, that are traditionally not the major players in free agency. And I think that makes this really exciting. Oh, yeah. I'd agree with that. Let's stick with Major League Baseball. Let's go to the Bronx here. Anthony Rizzo. He's been booty this year, Pat. Like, this is a man that's not eating his bootios, okay? <laughs> He's not. He has actually statistically been one of the most inefficient hitters in baseball this year after having a pretty great track record of being one of the more efficient hitters in baseball. So he's tried to change things up. And in the past few days, he's attempted drastic measures to move out of this two-month hitting funk that he's been from wearing no batting gloves to the plate to even changing his walk-up music yesterday. And it worked. The Yankees pulled out a sweep. He got on base. He switched his music to Taylor Swift's Ready for It. Taylor Swift, of course, we know. It's her summer, he says. She's helping the economy every city she goes. So, Pat, I ask you, was T-Swift truly the magic that Anthony Rizzo needed? And what would be your walk-up music if you hypothetically had any? 
Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of options for that. Uh, for T Swift, it makes sense. T Swift right now may be the hottest pop star in the country, maybe world. Oh, I don't think maybe. I think she's the hottest music star in the world. Yeah, so yeah, like is. And sometimes you need to go where where the wave is. You know, the oven's hot. You gotta go with. And if that it makes it's just a good feeling music too. You don't think about anything. You just want to dance and just get in a good mood. And that's what you want to feel like when you get into the baddest box. You want you don't want to overthink. You just want to, you know, get in there. Be like, all right, we're good. Let's get some music. Let's fire it up. And then you just do. You're not overthinking all that. You know, stress about oh, I got to do this because I'm not hitting well. All that it just goes away because you already got some, you know, looseness there. I feel like Taylor Swift. Yes, catchy pop music, but I feel like she is like a singer songwriter that writes some intricate, introspective stuff. Like if I'm walking to the plate and I've got, let's see, I'm not a Swifty, but I've 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 heard neither. So yeah, hold on, hold on. So bear with me here. If I if I'm walking to the plate and I hear anti-hero, okay, I hear that. And I, I've looked at the lyrics for Antihero before. I know there's some introspection going on there. I don't know, Pat, if that's loosening me up before I actually get to the plate. I think I'm like getting in my thoughts. Like, like I love Bruce Springsteen. We know this. It's part of oh, my brand. Well known. And I'm not walking up to a Bruce song because I'm going to start thinking about all these thematic elements of, of life and like the struggles of the working class man. I don't think she's thinking. I don't think you're thinking about that. It's just that, hey, it's me. Okay. I'm the problem. It's me. And you just dance into that and you're just Are you the problem? Sing- oh, that's that's not a question for this podcast. Uh <laughs> you're just singing the lyrics back to yourself and going and Okay. I don't know. That's my where my mind goes. Okay. Um I mean, for instance, I would say it would be like me having, you know, Voodoo Child okay. come up while uh, walk up. That would be one sure. of mine. Voodoo Child. Uh, okay. Voodoo Child, Jimi Hendrix. And oh, you're trying to Hollywood Hogan that stuff. I knew you were going to bring that up. It's yeah, like, one of those things. Sideways, Hollywood pits. Yeah. We already have one of them, so uh, so I would have that. And then if I was having a little bit of a drought, like he was, I'd switch it up to Spice Girl, Spice Up Your Life, Spice Up Your Life. Okay, I like that. As you get in the box, you're just like, Spice Up Your Life. I like and you're that. just like, you're just you get the crowd into it too, so you get them getting on their feet, they're excited for your bat. And then once you have the crowd behind you, then it's like, all right, I'm hitting this. There's no chance. I dig that. I can I can be down with that. I think um, if like I'm going with like a favorite song, I'm probably doing "Gone Shun" by ACDC. Some of you may remember that from Beavis and Butthead Do America. It's just this fantastic, smooth going bluesy rock song. Walking up, strung my ass to the plate. I'm into that. If I was slumping. I think I'm going to channel some like Joe bros. I think I'm going with some, some Joe bros to get me going. Like, I know you might not think like Jonas brothers, John Alba, that those two go together. But like, if you were to drop like, hold on by the Jonas brothers, like I, I'm going to start to get excited. Uh, maybe I become infatuated. I hear jealous by Nick Jonas and I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to hit some falsettos, you know, I would not peg you. Oh for yeah. Oh, a Jonas brothers sure. fan. We love the joke. I'm, I'm very open-minded to music. I've seen the Jonas brothers. I've seen the I'm jealous. I would I would like you are jealous, it. exactly. You're too sexy, beautiful, and everybody wants a taste. That's why I still get jealous. Exactly. I, I'm not hitting the incredible. high. It's incredible. I still get jealous. It's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> not but, 
I, I could see myself going that route. Yeah, Jason Giambi, I'm talking about wrestling. Jason Giambi used to walk up to the NWO Wolfpack theme song. That was always a good one, too. That fits. That fits. There's, there's some good ones there. I was driving I like... around to LA Night the other day. What's that? I was I was driving around uh, my town listening to LA Night's theme song. Okay, so there you go. You got a little bit there. Maybe look, pro wrestling walk up music. It works for a lot of these things yeah. because it's it's built for that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, the, the reason I say ACDC, ACDC is the only undefeated team in sports history. You go to a sporting event, you are guaranteed to hear ACDC. They never lose. Every single sporting event you go to, it could be a high school sporting event, you will hear ACDC. Just think about, it, okay. Hell's Bells, Thunderstruck, For Those yeah, About to Rock, Back in Black, TNT, Dirty Deeds, Highway to Hell. You are guaranteed to hear one of those songs that I was talking about. Maybe even it's a long way to the top. Shoot yeah. raps. Yeah, I heard it every time I walked into the Quinnipiac Ice Hockey Arena, at least one ACDC song. There you go. Maybe two or three, so yeah, I'm with Patriots you. Patriots kick off to For Those About to Rock? Yeah. They do. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Only undefeated team in sports history. You're guaranteed to hear him at a football game. A guy, though, you will not be seeing at a football game this year, unfortunately, Naheem Hines, the Buffalo Bills. Bills lost a, a pretty significant part of their offense and special teams. He suffered what is expected to be a season-ending injury to his left ACL while away from the team's facility, a team said. He's just 26-year-old, and he sustained his knee injury while being struck by a jet ski he was sitting stationary on the jet ski and thankfully he's okay in general but pat i know it's like a poo-poo way of looking at things but should athletes just kind of stray away from doing anything fun in the offseason because 26 years old knee injury you're a running oriented player that's not a good combination right there we should just be mindful. I think the word I'm going to use here is mindful okay. of the activities that we do in the off season. Maybe jet skiing is not something jumping off of cliffs, you know, anything that involves impact like that. I think we should just stay away from if we're an athlete and that's, we're saying that for safety reasons. That's really all we're trying to go. I mean, when Tom Brady jumped off that cliff three years ago or whatever it was with his kids, I almost had a heart attack as a <laughs> Patriots fan. So when you have any sort of player in that, I would say a high pressure job and, you know, your season really depends on how healthy your body is. Maybe just stay away from activities that you, you could find yourself hurt in for no, absolutely no reason. I always think back to 2003, Aaron Boone playing basketball, pickup basketball in the off season, tears his ACL. He was going to be the starting third baseman for the Yankees. And, well, that led to Alex Rodriguez being traded to the Yankees and opened up a floodgate that has never been seen before since in the world of Major League Baseball, all because of a fluke injury. Like, I don't think we should sit here and be like, you can't live your life. You're you're an athlete who has earned millions of dollars and you have prepared all season long through through regimented training and rigorous physical activity you can't do anything fun i don't think we should sit here and do that pat i agree i would agree with that i'm just mindful i think mindful is fair but like what are the odds that you're going to be hit by a jet ski when you're out there 
That's true. That is a, that's a million to one odds right there. Like, I, like I, what are the odds that you're just going to be stationary on a jet ski and another jet ski comes right at you and all of a sudden you freaking tear your ACL or whatever happened to him? That's it's it's wild. It's it's, it's those little things. That's why it's like I, I'm I'm agreeing in the sense where you you can't tell someone you they can't do this, but you know if you're expecting to take a leap in your job role and maybe he could take over that or could have taken over that RB one role over Damian Harris. And that was his idea. Then yeah, then be more mindful, but I just, it's such just a shit situation. It's just, that's all it is. It is. And listen, you know, the the one thing that I want to say too, is that you can get injured significantly doing pretty much anything in life. Like, I remember, I think it was like 2005, maybe. I'm not sure if anyone out there remembers the uh, old Rockies player. He was great. Clint Barmas. He, I think he was carrying, like, deer meat upstairs. Like, I think Todd Helen, like, gifted him a bunch of deer meat for playing well. And he was carrying it upstairs, and he missed a step because it was, like, in his face, and he broke his collarbone, and that was, like, basically the end of his career. Like, oh. <laughs> I, I, we there were players... God, I maybe didn't Corey, Ryan Matthews fall downstairs or something and in, in I think it was Corey Hart in baseball. I, I can't remember. I could be. It might have been Hunter Pence. I think it was Hunter Pence. That's he, that sounds right. He ran through a glass door. He thought it was open and he hit a glass <laughs> door. Sammy Sosa famously sneezed and threw out his back. So like things can happen in yeah. mundane physical activity that happens in life. I think it's just a matter of exercising just a little bit of caution. Small God, just be be aware of your surroundings. That's what I'm told all the time. Just be aware of your surroundings. I mean, what's the most embarrassing injury you've suffered? Let's hear it. Come on. Like, like when when I say embarrassing injury, I mean something that you totally should not have gotten hurt on, and you just (laughs) totally ended up hurt after. I was on workers' comp because I lifted a table into one of the delivery trucks and. Uh, felt something just like kind of pop or whatnot, and it was like, Oh, whatever, like mm. it just hurts. And then went home, slept for I think 10 hours through the long shift, and woke up and couldn't feel like I couldn't even lift my arm to drive hurt. And uh, I tore my tore my pectoral or la- tore no, tore, your pec? no, tore my labrum, 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 labrum. Oh my here. goodness, yeah, it's uh, partially torn labrum just you from lifting for it. No, no, I, I just took an MRI. I did PT for you it. Warrior, you. That's, that's what the champ does. Bro. I was walking my 10-pound Bichon Frise one time, and by one time, I mean a year and a half ago, and I totally pulled something in my back walking him, and I was out of commission for three, three days. I was walking. <laughs> he didn't tug me. Nothing. Just walking this dog. Did you, did you feel it? Like, did, did, oh, I felt mo- it immediately. I felt it immediately. Really? I felt a pain shoot down my back, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" I'm walking this small dog. That's so fascinating. Like when you say you got that dog in you, I got that dog in me too. But my dog is like a small poodle or something. <laughs> it's a like. small that's, that's the dog that I got right. Exactly. That's the dog that I got in me, and oh, that's what man. happened. Yeah, I was out of commission for three days. It was insane. Um, just couldn't but, get up off the couch or anything like ice. No, like I like could not do anything. It was bad. It was real bad. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm not even a running back in the NFL. And truthfully, Pat, 
I don't know if anyone wants to be a I running back be. in the NFL right now. Several star NFL running backs took part in a Zoom call Saturday. How fun's that? To discuss the depressed market for players at their position. Nick Chubb confirmed he was part of it. Said Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, they were in the meeting. Josh Jacobs was part of it. Austin Eckler was the one that reportedly organized it. And it was all to come up with a way to ensure that running backs are paid their worth. But the question I asked, Pat, should we be saying rest in peace running back? Should we be having a funeral for the running back position here as far as where it has been regulated to in the NFL? As a Patriots fan, I really don't have any real sympathy for them in a way because it's been years since the Pats have had like a real running back. LeGarrette Blount was the last yeah. one that was, I would say, I still feel dominant. like he was like a specialty back too, even at that. He just scored touchdowns. Yeah. He wasn't some guy that's juking out everybody. And mm-hmm. that's where this kind of whole conversation lies mm-hmm. is that when you look at past Super Bowl winners, none of them have a guy like a Christian McCaffrey. None of them have an Austin Eckler on there, Nick Chubb, that are playoff contenders. All these teams that do, they're great to watch when your fantasy team's playing. And that's just the sad state of the league. So if you're going to have a conversation about this, the conversation should not be about what can you know they do. It's what can we do to up our stock and make us unde- undeniable, to steal a word from a uh, phrase from the American but, Nightmare. But, but listen, I... I don't necessarily think that's a fair thing to to say, Pat, because let's use an example here. The guy that you saw in the picture, Saquon Barkley, for example. Okay, Saquon Barkley had a rough few years. He was hurt. Giants had no offensive line whatsoever. It was it was a rough go there. He comes out last year. And he's electric. He's the Saquon of old. He's a pro bowler. Ten touchdowns. Thirteen hundred yards rushing. He's back. He completely transforms the Giants' offense, who has a quarterback, a Daniel Jones, who I like Daniel Jones, but he, I think he is a quarterback that benefited greatly from having a running back who could open up the field for him. And that, to me, even at 25 years old, showed that there is 100% merit still today in running backs in this league. Unfortunately, running backs just don't have the longevity. So I think if running backs are going to fight for anything, Pat, it's that they should be fighting for running backs to get a lot of guaranteed money right in the beginnings of their career. I think guaranteeing your money early where your legs are still very useful, your agility is still there, that is the way to guarantee success for running backs. Maybe we start weighing running back contracts more in the beginning of their career as we know they're going to be out of the league by 30. See, I didn't think of this. That's yeah, that's a very interesting point is to have it more guaranteed up front. I'm thinking more in the sense of if you want to keep that longevity and be worth something to a team where you can still get, you know, a couple million a year and you're 29, but you can, you know, maybe line up in the slot a little bit if you're a more athletic back. Maybe you take on another role. I, I don't know. I just. But then I, what's the lore of even becoming a running back if that's the case? That's the issue. That's that's where I'm kind of. Why don't you just be a receiver? Because it's it's. Why do we? Why do we? No, no. Listen here. Why do we put so much more favorability on wideouts who run just as much as running backs? In fact, 
you can make an argument that wide receivers run even more than running backs because a lot of times running backs are just blocking on plays. So why do we put so much more stock in wide receivers whereas they take just as much physical punishment as a running back does? Because they, it's a passing game. There's the answer. It's a passing game. That's the biggest issue. And that's where I see the running backs of value, like Austin Eckler's and Saquon Barkley's, that if they have that, they can get that type of worth. But not everyone's like that, so you have to find that. And it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I'm on the side of it. I don't see a reason to pay a running back a ton of money when you can get a guy like who's just out of college drafted and use them up and kind of just do a system. But that's exactly what these running backs are fighting against. But it's the, I, they, they're fighting against it, but I don't, I don't know. Where do they, where's that? Is there any way to, for them to fight for more equity in the league? Or is this just a doom scenario from the start? It's just never going to happen. There is, but it, it's I I kind of I like your thing about the the guaranteed money up front, but then that kind of pigeonholes a team for a little bit for a year. Well, if, if they you're going to get valuable running back output, listen, like I just said, I, I mean I think Saquon is like the perfect example of that, where a, a valuable running back really does change the way that your team controls its offense. Like the Giants for the first time in seven years had a competent offense. And it was because of Saquon opening up the game because Saquon playing well opened up for Daniel Jones, who was great last year. Daniel Jones was excellent last year. And because of that, you saw it benefited everybody. Is I don't think that's too much to expect that if you invest in your running back, Pat, you might have that happen for your team as well. But if you invest in your running back, look at their receivers, their big name receivers. They didn't have anyone that was a big name. But but huh? I don't think that's but that's not because they invested in Saquon. That's just because they were booty in terms of building a team. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's it, but the, if you look at the teams that it's either they have a star running back or they have a star wide receiver, and you need to find a way to get that both to coexist. And it, I don't know of a team that can do that financially to get them to that point and have it make sense for their offense. I mean, put, yes, put Saquon on any other team and he, he adds that value that he should be worth, but I just don't know if that's possible in the next year or so to get them to that point. I think it's going to take like three years to kind of fizzle out and to have that first contract or whoever to be that, um, you know, person to sit out and make it worth it. Like look at Josh Jacobs. A guy like that. Look at. Let's even go back a little further. Mm-hmm. Look at what Le'Veon Bell did sitting out. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind well, of works. Against sitting him. out is the right thing to do. That's and that's. That. Oh, I know you're not. No, no, yeah. I know you're not. I'm just saying. Look how they. That's the easy answer right now for them. Well, so we're because I think running backs in particular reps are critical to them staying in flow and keeping your biorhythm going. Mm-hmm. I think that's massively important, and staying healthy is hard in the NFL. It's it's hard in the NFL. Very hard. It's really hard. It even it's even hard on the golf course too, Pat, uh, because Tom Kim tore ligaments in his right ankle earlier last week, and he considered dropping out of the Open Championship, going home. Instead, he stuck it out, put a cast on his ankle, 
kept playing, and it paid off because he took on the wind and the rain at the Royal Liverpool on Sunday and put together the best 18 holes of anyone on the course. His 467 was the best score on the day and pushed him into a tie for second place and a $1.084 million prize. What's the gutsiest injury tough out that you've seen by an athlete? I love this story because you don't think about golf typically as sticking it out their injury. But I mean, especially if you're a righty and that back right ankle is your plant foot, that must have been excruciating for him. That was, that's a lot of pain to be going off of. And I mean, I did, it's brutal to go through any injury. The one that sticks out to me the most is T.O. playing in that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget what number specifically it was. It was, it, was, but it was the Eagles and the Patriots in 2004. That performance to me, looking back, you have to think that if T.O. It, was it gets home, overlooked because they didn't win the game. They didn't win. Yeah. And he had over 100 yards, I think a touchdown or two, right? It was Oh, like he was amazing in the game. Phen- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And he was playing on a half-broken leg. Mm-hmm. And it, that's to me is the uh, another unbelievable one. Philip Rivers playing a, a playoff game with a torn ACL and watching clips of that back and seeing him hobbling and essentially just playing the game on one leg. I, I don't think that gets talked about uh as much as it should. Yeah, I I definitely would agree with that. I mean, you know, I wasn't alive for like Willis Reed and whatnot, but yeah, I, I think the gutsiest, one of the gutsiest performances I ever saw. And it relates to golf actually was in 2008 tiger playing on a broken leg and a torn ACL. And this was like tiger's true last stand when it was him and Rocco mediate at Beth page black in the U S open. And I think he had, multiple stress fractures if i'm not mistaken he made two eagles in the final six holes forces the playoff with that amazing putt on 18 and wins the playoff that was one of the most electric performances i can remember in my time as a sports fan and it was the end of peak tiger too going out on that note because as he was recovering from those procedures well, we know what happened. Yeah, we know. And that was where the first time I saw Tiger is more than a human. You know, the, there's many athletes that you look at. It's like, take that person can't be human. And that performance, I just remember keep watching it. And you're watching highlights back. It's like, yeah, he did this all with these injuries. And you go out there. It's like, oh, I tweaked my leg a little bit waking up this morning. And I'm like, oh, that's why my shot went right. You know, and <laughs> this man is just doing, putting out eagles like that. It's, yeah, it's my, wild absolutely wild it was absolutely wild i i go back to that all the time i think it's one of the most triumphant wins ever in pga history and well usga history too but um i, I go back to that and it is truly tiger encompassed as a gamer and everything that made him great for sure all right, Pat Pitts, we've reached the final segment of the show i would love to know more than anything else pat Pitts. Who is your beast of the week? Who did the most beastly thing that you saw in sports this particular week? Beast of the week. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the who won the who came in second place. Just to because that alone is just unbelievable. I just can't. They, I can't think of anything like if going out there myself it just i could not do that 
uh, in the U.S. They're open. I got to go with Sophia Smith from the U.S. Women's National Team. 22 years old, making her World Cup debut against Vietnam. U.S. wins 3 nothing because death taxes, USWNT being amazing. Yeah. But the girl scores two goals in her first ever World Cup game, playing with the best team in the world at 22 years old. You know what I was doing at 22 years old? I was complaining about shooting bad shots on the golf course because my right ankle was sore from, from walking. That's what I was doing. I wasn't scoring two goals in the World Freaking Cup. No. No, not at all. Playing with the best players in the world. I, I'm i not even a big soccer person, but I will always make time to watch the U.S. Women's National Team. I think they're awesome. They are a machine. Yeah, I saw them put up two goals, and I was like, oh, this, this game's over. And then we yeah. it's just right away. That is how it works. Sophia Smith is my beast of the week. Pat Pitts, this has been fun. Thanks for hopping on Out of Bounds. Of course. Remind everyone where they can find your work and your socials. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Pat underscore Pitts. Uh, that's where I have all my thoughts about professional wrestling, Boston sports, and all sports uh, content there. And then on YouTube, Sarah and I's, my co-host Sarah Marshall and I's wrestling show is on her YouTube at Sarah Marshall XO. Uh, we have 800 subscribers trying to get that to trying to get to that 1,000 mark. Uh, and then the Gillette is at uh, my Patriot show you can find on Stadium Rant's YouTube channel at Stadium Rant, where we uh, go live every Thursday at 8 o'clock, bringing you all Patriots content, including some nonsense Patriots stuff as well. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Pat, thanks so much for hopping on. We'll be back next week right here on Out of Bounds. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now. <laughs>